When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Despite losing the last game that they played in, it seems like they're back to their winning ways, at least much more so than during the seven-game losing streak. The Penguins finished their three-game road trip with back-to-back games over the weekend, a 4-2 win against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then a 5-2, or 5-4, excuse me, overtime loss to the Montreal Canadiens. Horwat, when I watched that, that Canadiens game back, it just seemed like the typical team on a second half of a back-to-back runs out of gas in the third period. Not to say that they were awful in the third period, they certainly weren't perfect, but they certainly weren't the worst they've been this season. So scoring a couple goals, trying to take the lead three different times, but eventually losing and giving up all three leads. What did you think about the end of the game on Saturday night? And did you see it like I did, which is just an older team in the NHL ran out of gas and the younger team took advantage? There's just too much going on. There's too much nonsense, it it felt like. Every time I looked back at the screen, there was another penalty or there was another goal being scored. It was... It felt like chaos, but organized chaos, not total, this game is on crack chaos. It was weird. So it it, uh, just needed a little more construction, it felt like. Kind of both teams were a bit off the rails, but um, it's about having, yeah, having enough gas to finish it off. I mean, I think you're pretty much nail on the head there that uh, it was an older team that just couldn't, keep it together for another 60 then a extra few extra minutes more um and i mean certain parts of that team don't help right now like a an injury to your goaltender that we're going to talk about your first line not doing anything that we're going to talk everything we're going to talk about today is was summed up in that game i feel like too it was it was chaos but organized chaos and there's no other way of putting it like i said every time i looked back there was something new happening yeah age and lack of speed was not the only reason the Penguins lost that game on Saturday night. Uh, there were a multitude of factors that got into the the overtime loss to the Canadiens, but it was the same guys for Montreal as in the first game. It was Kirby Doc, it was Cole Caulfield, and it was Nick Suzuki. Those three guys are the heartbeat of the Montreal Canadiens, and they reared their ugly head against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first matchup. They did it once again here in the second matchup. Uh, Mike Hoffman gets the overtime winner, but 
Are you worried at all about the Pittsburgh Penguins' age at this point? We've seen in a couple games where younger teams, uh, I think namely Seattle at times, you saw Matty Beneers get a couple of really good shifts just simply because of his speed and a couple of good opportunities because of his speed. Both games against Montreal, I thought it was evident. And even in Toronto, you see the guys that aren't really as fleet of foot that the Penguins were able to kind of stifle and guys like Austin Matthews, guys like John Tavares, but the Penguins did struggle to keep coverage on guys like Mitch Marner and William Nylander. So at this point of the season, 15 games in, are you worried about the Penguins' age and their speed as a team? No, not the age. I'm not worried about the age. The age is going to be perfectly fine. The speed, I think, isn't necessary for the Penguins. While it's going to be worrisome against certain teams, there are ways to... Get around it and to play a more strategic game than it is to play a speed game and it's something that the penguins have been needing to do for a long time now it is stop focusing on your speed because clearly you just don't have it anymore and there's nothing wrong with that um you know crosby always says the game's getting faster around them okay we'll change the mindset of the, of the team then i mean i we've already done that this year too we're not we're already not focused on the speed game which is good we are playing more of a <clears throat> passing excuse me, back and forth game rather than trying to beat them out through speed. The only issue is um, we're also trying to outscore our issues. And when not everyone is clicking, you can't do that. And you're going to need other people to step up in the right way. Yeah, when it comes to that entire conversation, the age doesn't bother me because some of the older players on this team are, are some of the better players. And that namely being Evgeny Malkin, who we'll talk about. Uh, and Sidney Crosby as well, even though his line has kind of struggled through that that entire road trip. But age to me is 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 a non-factor. Uh, obviously, it plays a little bit of a role, but I don't think that that's a, a factor for winning and losing at this point with the team that you have when the, the older guys are supposedly the better guys. It's the team speed that kind of worries me a little bit. Because when guys like Nylander, guys like Marner, guys like you know Caulfield, Suzuki, Doc, when they're able to just skate around your defense that's when it becomes a little bit more worrisome. Uh, and it's, it's I, I understand that the Penguins, they wanted to get bigger. They wanted to be able to clear out the net front a little bit more, but they're not doing that. And if you're not going to do that, if you're not going to do what your purpose is, then the speed game is going to look that much worse against you because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And now these guys can, can freewheel around the net. And that's what turns into great opportunities. A lot of the goals the Penguins are giving up are coming from really close uh, to that net front. So not being able to clear the net, not being able to get the the net fast enough is an issue that I see going forward. But it's something that, you know, Brian Rust is a very fast player. He hasn't quite played like it this year. Kasperi Kapanen is a, you know, he's a fast player, but he just hasn't played well at all. And you can't sacrifice actual good play just to have somebody who's fleet of foot out there. I think Hollander's a little bit slower than Kapanen, but I would go back to Hollander on Tuesday night. Um, That's just my personal opinion. So do I think that those are massive factors that will play into whether or not the Penguins make or miss the playoffs? No, but I do think there is an issue there that if you don't figure out at least a little bit, it's going to be a problem later into the season. And if you get into the postseason, it's going to be a problem when you try to get through a seven-game series with such high tempo as teams in the Eastern Conference like the Rangers, like the Hurricanes. Even the Bruins play with a very fast tempo under Jim Montgomery now. So you're going to need to be able to get that tempo up a little bit more. And that's uh, that's really how I feel about about that. I just think that the Penguins are not playing a fast enough game. And, and realistically, when Sullivan came in, that was the... That was the game. Play fast, play smart. 
Well, they're not fast, and they've been struggling with the play smart thing at times this season as well. It's We have to, like I said, we've been having to do this for a couple years now. We have to stop trying to focus on a speed game. We just don't have it. Um, it is now about playing smart, which you're right. Has we Some players have been struggling with it this year. But at the same time, um, in the games where the team has looked really good, they've looked really smart and really good. There have been plenty of positives to pull from this season. Uh, and I think most of the negatives are just stemming from that seven-game losing streak. If you if we erase that, if we're able to, a month from now, be in a pretty good position, um, we absolutely look at that losing streak in a completely different light. Um, learn from all of those mistakes, learn from all of those games, and smarten up. You're right. Now, one of the other issues the Penguins faced on Saturday was apparently an injured goaltender, which nobody was aware of. Um, Tristan Jari... Dropped the news himself after the game that he's been dealing with, quote, some physical issues and that he is not playing at 100%. We don't know what the injury is. We don't know how long he has been playing with this injury, but it kind of makes a little bit more sense as to why Casey DeSmith got the starts in both Washington and in Toronto last week. It does, yeah, and it's kind of surprising that he has this injury we don't even know what it is no there's been no details given just physical issues so we can't even really call it an injury um the thing about this injury is a i'm also not super surprised it's jari's been playing a rough game this year he's been run into a couple of times something could have popped up at any point it could be you know a rehashing from the lower body injury from last playoffs from just getting run he's been He's been run into a couple times this season, so who knows if it's stemming from that, and who knows how long it'll take to fully heal, especially if he's still playing. Um, this is interesting. It's a quite a conundrum, because can the Penguins do anything financially about it? I mean, can they say, hey, let's just rest you for, like, let's take you out of the lineup for a little bit, not LTIR you, but pop you on IR, pull up Tukarski if we need to. We don't have the financial means to do that right now. It's this is going for a ton of people. Um, don't get hurt. We can't. There's nothing we can do. <laughs> I think the Leafs just had this problem not too long ago because it was just with their goalies. Um, if ours is just a financial cap, the financial cap hell that we're in. If <clears throat> the, if certain players get hurt, there's nothing much we can do about it. Jari's one of them, so we can't really, you know, put him down because this whole physical issue is raising the question of, well, why do we keep playing him? We don't really have a choice. We don't really have a choice, and, I mean, for what it's worth, man, I, would you rather have an injured Jari or a healthy Tokarski and then some cap issues? I don't know. Well, here's the thing with Tristan Jari, too. The Penguins don't go anywhere if Tristan Jari's not on his game. Like if Tristan Jari plays the way that he has in the past five games, it's not going to go well for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Like Casey DeSmith, for what it's worth, played very well in Washington and in Toronto. He's certainly turned his game around back-to-back -back wins. That's a confidence boost for your backup goaltender, but that's what he is. Like at his best, he might be a slightly above average 1B in this league. That's, that's Casey DeSmith's ceiling. But the Pittsburgh Penguins need their starter. And they need Tristan Jari to play like their starter. He hasn't played like that, and now it makes a little bit more sense. He's dealing with that injury. If you look at what he did on Saturday night, 
37 saves on 42 shots. One massive save that he made in the third where he made a huge leg save. I believe the Penguins were up by one at that point. Didn't end up mattering, but still, at the end of the day, could have resulted in the Penguins getting at least the pity point. Three goals allowed in the third period, though, which has been a very big area of concern for, for Tristan Jari. We talked to Jesse Marshall of The Athletic last week. He said, basically, to sum everything up that he said, and he did it at the end of his little little spiel, was he's just not performing to the level we expect of him right now, plain and simple. Yeah. He's below the line. That's where his performance is at. Now, if it's because of the injury and he needs a little bit of time, I understand that you don't want to LTIR the guy and have him miss at least 10 games. That is a huge chunk of time to miss and to be relying on Casey DeSmith to pick up the slack and relying on Dustin Tokarski to make a couple starts. But if this team's going to be successful, it's going to be because Tristan Jari is healthy and playing well, like I mentioned. If that means that he has to go on LTIR a little bit and actually rest this injury instead of just playing through it, then that's what you do. But the other thing is, we don't know the extent of this injury. That's why this is a very difficult conversation because we don't know if it's something that he needs more time off or if it's just something that it's a weird thing that flares up at times and at times it's not bad. We have no idea. So the fact that he's, quote, dealing with some physical issues is not a good thing for the Penguins. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's the first first and foremost. This is not a good thing to be having a discussion of. Um, but... I, I, it, for what it's worth, it is not. It isn't bad enough that he's forced out of the lineup already. We have something to hang our hat on, I guess, that he's still able to play. And I mean, yeah, he gave up five in Montreal, but I mean, what? There was like forty some shots on him, so he's able to still make saves. Um, clearly, it's not you know, the worst thing in the world, but it's still enough to cause concern, enough to really want to pay attention to what's going on to him for the next couple of games and see if he progresses, see if things get worse. Like I said, we don't know what it is. Does he also put a target on his back? Like I said, he's already been run a couple of times this year. Uh, who do we have coming up? Toronto? Ah, wussies. So at least he'll be fine there. But oh, you know, Minnesota on Minas- Thursday? Yeah, Minnesota's going to be tough. And they're, also, they're a big team. Yeah, and also, I just remembered who plays on the fourth line in Toronto. If they decide to bring uh, Wayne Simmons back up, yikes. But that being said, I think putting that to the side, it it does it is just a cause for concern. It's something we just need to monitor and keep an eye on overall because uh, we're out of options when it comes to filling in. Like I said, I, I, I don't know what's up with Teddy Bluger still. Like I said, like certain guys just cannot get hurt right now because of our financial issues and because of our roster size. What are we at the are we yep. at the max now? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're at twenty. They're at twenty three out of the tw- possible twenty three. Twenty two because they just sent Friedman. They down. Sent, that's right. They, that's correct. They did send Friedman down yesterday, which I mean that's bodes well for Po Joseph. That's all I know. Yeah, that's fair. It's a great point. But definitely something we're going to have to monitor with Tristan Jari hoping that he he gets back to 100% because the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, they need him there that's for sure we're going to take a quick break when we return the Penguins road trip was interesting in certain aspects we'll talk Kasperi Kapanen the Evgeny Malkin line and a slump for Sidney Crosby all that and more after the break I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, 
This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We're talking about the Penguins' road trip. Overall, a pretty successful road trip. They finish it 2-0-1, get five out of a possible six points, and if that's what you're going to do every three games, then that's fine. That's perfectly fine. Uh, decent performances from the Pittsburgh Penguins. There were some lows, there were some highs, and we'll continue to get into that right now. Kasperi Kapanen. We mentioned on Thursday's episode, and we didn't have the time to talk about it because he got the healthy scratch in Washington. Good thing we didn't because more of that story has played out now through those back-to-back games in Canada. Kapanen is certainly in Mike Sullivan's doghouse. He also got the healthy scratch in Toronto, where he used to play. Hollander played instead in both of those instances, and then he drew back into the lineup on Saturday against the Montreal Canadiens on the Penguins' fourth line finished with a team-low 7 minutes and 19 seconds of ice time, and did basically as close to nothing as you can uh, while playing in a National Hockey League game. Horwat, what is next for Kasperi Kapanen? That's the million-dollar question, really. What do we do here? What do we do? I mean, in the offseason, the, the, in the offseason was a much easier answer. You let that man walk. And now here we are. 15 games into the season, he's getting paid $3.1 million to play seven minutes a night or sit in the press box or not look good. It's This This is an ugly, ugly situation that, uh, man, you don't want to start placing blame on things, but ugh, Hexy, what are you doing here? This was not a great decision. Um, there's no other way around it. Kasperi Captain has not been good. Uh, he started off fine. Like, we thought maybe something could come from it in the first couple of games. Scored a goal in the first game. Got an assist in the second. Picked up two assists in that uh, weird Columbus game. But that's been it. And then it's been one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> the rest of the games without a point. Um, this isn't pretty. This isn't pretty. And oof, he wasn't on the lineup for the two wins. So if you look at his game log, that's a bunch of L's in a row. A lot of minuses. This isn't good. This isn't good. There's a. This is like the. This isn't. I don't know if it's issue number one, but it's one that needs to get solved quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, with, with Kapanen, the thing is, I want to see how he responds because I wouldn't say Saturday was a chance to respond for him. He's still in the doghouse with Sullivan. You take those healthy scratches. The point is probably when you do that, you got to get through to the player. We saw it happen with Poulain last year in Wilkes-Barre. It got through to him. He turned it around, and that's why his standing is so much better, what, seven, eight, nine months later in the organization because he took that healthy scratch and he handled it the appropriate way. Will Kasperi Kapanen do the same thing? We don't know. We don't have that answer yet it's... because you can say what you want about Saturday. Yeah, he got back in the lineup. He got back in the lineup on the fourth line and got seven minutes of ice time. He had less ice time than Josh Archibald. I think so there's still time for this to this to, to play out. The only opinion. issue is, like, yeah, there is still time for it to play out. The only 
issue that I pull up with that is he was also healthy scratched last year for the same thing. This isn't a new thing though. It's we're rehashing the same old issue that we just had with him last year. And sure, maybe he played a little better in the postseason and learned from it. Well, guess what? The issue is back. It should this shouldn't be an issue again, regardless of how much he uh, performed last year. It's a new year and slow starts be damned like i said he had a pretty decent start to the season i mean i don't think we were all expecting him to have five points in five games were we (laughs) so and granted like i said that's been it his last seven have been awful but or eight or nine however many it's been but still that's this is not a new issue with him so i would say yeah there's time to learn but at the same time uh no there's not (laughs) this was an issue last season I hate to do this. I really do. And I hate when other people do this. So I hate the fact that I'm about to. But when you look at what Ron Hextall did in the offseason, spending the $3.2 million for multiple years for Kasperi Kapanen, you look at what he could have gotten for that money. And Ugh. I understand. Listen, I, I hate this. I hate doing it. But it's really evident and clear in this instance of what you could have had instead of Kapanen. You could have had Evan Rodriguez. Now, it's not that Evan Rodriguez is lighting things up in Colorado, but he has five goals and seven points in 13 games. He plays all all three areas. You know, we've seen Evan Rodriguez be very good on the Penguins' power play the last couple of seasons. Evan Rodriguez also can kill penalties, brings a scoring threat to the penalty kill, was part of that kill last year that went third in the National Hockey League. And he doesn't really, I mean, it, the problem is they're they're so similar. But Evan Rodriguez still has an upward trajectory right now, whereas Kapanen is so far... He, he's like the U.S. economy. He's so far in the in the shitter that it's impossible to see when that's going to turn around. It's... First of all, Kapanen's getting paid more than Jeff Carter, and I'm just realizing this. Secondly, if, even if you didn't want to bring Rodriguez back because, you know, maybe he's not going to have that same season again, then let Kapanen walk in for nothing. Then you have $3.2 million in space... And, hey, this whole goalie situation might be able to get figured out a little easier. Hey, maybe Teddy Bluger's actually okay to play. Who still knows? There's a lot of things that could have been, you know, organized fit and figured out just with $3.2 million of free space. Maybe Heinen makes an extra million out of that. Maybe you're working with 2.2. It's more than nothing. And, you know, you, I don't, I don't have a good answer for this because what's everyone immediately going to jump to? Oh, I'll trade him away. Okay, just like the Brian Dumoulin conundrum here, who's going to take him? Like, yeah, absolutely. Attempt to try and trade Brian Dumoulin. Fine, sure. Attempt to try and trade away Kasperi Kapanen. Who is going to take them? And what are you getting back? I, I love the idea of take all of our bad players for all of your good players. Love that idea. It's not how it works, though. No, it's not. And to close out this entire discussion with Kasperi Kapanen, because... You know, the answer would be to trade him, but I just don't know who's going to take him on and what you're going to have to pay because you're going to have to pay a premium to get him out of here. At full, at, at full cost, you're going to have to pay a premium. He'd be you'd easier probably to tra- have to give up a third-round pick. Yeah, he'd be easier to trade away than Dumoulin at this point, but at least, I don't know. It'd at least be easier than Dumoulin, but it's still going to be difficult. Yep. Kapanen, you mentioned five points in the first five games, zero points since, and he has also not recorded more than one shot on goal in any game uh, since the the end of his first five. So not a great, uh, not a great run here 
for all 42 for the Pittsburgh Penguins, getting paid $3.2 million to sit in the press box and then play seven minutes a game. We'll see uh, if he gets in against Toronto on Tuesday and how much he gets utilized if he does. But let's talk about something positive here because the Penguins have recorded five out of six possible points in their last three games. That's a good thing. They're they're winning hockey games or they're in hockey games and that they should win uh, as in Montreal game. But the one real positive to take out of everything is the Evgeny Malkin line. I mean, it has been absolutely ridiculous how good this line has been. And not only is it Evgeny Malkin, not really is it Ricard Raquel, but Jason Zucker is on a heater right now, which is not like, I, I love Jason Zucker. I will back Jason Zucker uh, as much as I possibly can. Obviously, we all ask the question, will he get traded last offseason? Right now, you know, for all Hextall that we're getting on to for, for the Kapanen thing, holding on to Zucker seems like a good move for Ron Hextall because he is uh, he has a real good second line on his hands in Pittsburgh. I think I think that uh, offseason, I think that question that I just asked with uh, Kapanen and Dumoulin probably applied to Zucker over the offseason of, yeah, you can try and trade him, but who's going to take him? Like, we saw what, what Zucker's last two seasons were. Injury riddled and... I mean, they added up to... I keep looking at the stats. His last two seasons added up to 79 games. I think he had 30 points, if that. It wasn't good. It was not pretty. Uh, but now here he is, 13 games in with 13 points. Yeah, he already had an injury, but guess what? It was a quick one. He's back with four goals and nine assists and just looking damn good. The analytics speak for themselves. I mean, and you could speak for them as well. <laughs> it's... Yeah. He's just looked much better. He looked like that those first nine games... 12 games, however many he played before the COVID shutdown. That's how good he looks right now. And he's playing with Malkin, who also looks like a house of fire. Damn. I mean, it's two players that, you know, a lot of fans wouldn't have mind seeing leaving in the offseason. So they both have chips on their shoulders and a ton to prove. I mean, Malkin with a new contract that's paying him 6.1 for the next four years at the age of 36. But right now, it looks to be paying off. Jason Zucker in the final year of his contract probably looking for one more at least one more at least decently priced one he's earning the hell out of it both of these guys are earning their earning their money and earning their dues and just proving everybody wrong and making themselves look really good doing it and then there's Ricard Raquel who is also just there and hasn't stopped shooting the damn puck see leading the team yeah. still on shots he is he is yeah, that line has been really good um, for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and they were especially good on that three-game road trip last week. I mean, combined in the, those three games, they scored five goals, seven assists, and 12 total points in three games. Malkin had two goals, two assists. Zucker led the line with two goals and three assists thanks to his three-assist outing on Saturday. And Ricardo Raquel, not to be forgotten, had one goal and two assists. But, you know, when you ask about it, yeah, they're putting the puck in the back of the net. But... The big thing is they're just dominating pace of play too. You look at what they've done analytically, which you mentioned. I will speak to it. Five goals for, zero goals allowed at five on five. 65% of the shot attempts, 71% of the expected goals, and a supremely nice amount of the scoring chances at 69%. It is a dominant performance by these three in games where it's not playing against Bad teams. I mean, yes, the Capitals have struggled and they looked awful against the Tampa Bay Lightning last night. But the Penguins' second line 
dominated in Washington, dominated in Toronto, and dominated in Montreal. There was just no slowdown from these three guys, and you just absolutely love to see it. Yeah, they're firing on all of the cylinders, and it's so impressive to see. Like I said, it's two guys that are playing with a chip on their shoulder, and a guy that everyone says shouldn't even be on that line, which you might still be right, and maybe he deserves to be back up on the first line to, to... you know, a discussion we'll have in a minute, I'm sure. Uh, it's, But it's just looking at those three right now, Malkin and Zucker are just feeding off each other so well. And then every time um, Raquel is just around, he's just ripping shots and doing what he can to produce himself. It seems like it is, um, like I said, Malkin and Zucker doing their thing and, and Raquel just kind of being the Robin. But screw it. It, looks, it still looks damn good. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing with, with Ricard Raquel, too. He looks like he's being the Robin, but you know eventually he's just going to go off. Yeah. And he's done that already earlier this season. And the question of whether Raquel should go on the first line or Russ should go on the first line, like we said, even though Rust has you know not had the best couple of games, nobody on that first line really has. I mean, you can talk about Jake Gensel being on a, a goal streak that ended on, on Saturday night, but a lot of those, a couple of those were empty net goals. They don't um, ask how, they ask how many. That's exactly right. But looking at that line, right now you have two players at over a point per game. Or sorry, at a point per game or over. Evgeny Malkin has, let me see here, 16 points in 15 games. And Jason Zucker, you mentioned, you know, he looked great in his first stint with Pittsburgh before the COVID shutdown. That was 12 points in 15 games. He has 13 points in 13 games played right now. Only four goals. But he's starting to find the back of the net, and he's starting to mesh with Evgeny Malkin, which is the one thing that everybody wanted to see. Can Malkin get a second line mate where he finally gets the chemistry? Because Zucker and Crosby, they just kept not putting that together. Zucker on the third line with Carter and Kapanen last year in the playoffs. Okay, it's it's all right. Or when Rodriguez was down there. All right, cool. Zucker's looking good there. But now with a healthy Jason Zucker with chemistry and Evgeny Malkin, it's a really good thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. What I think makes this line so effective right now, Evgeny Malkin is playing out of his mind. Jason Zucker is very heavy on the forecheck, and Ricard Raquel, if the puck gets on his stick, you're not getting it away from him. So you have a possession guy, you have an energizer bunny that's going to make it hard for other teams to get the puck out, and going to make it hard for other teams really to have any breathing room, and you have an all-world player in Evgeny Malkin who is playing like it. Those three styles are meshing perfectly into what you're seeing right now in the last three games, and that is a terrific second line for the Penguins. Tack on just 36 hits for Zucker as well, third on the team. Oh, that guy's going to do it all, whether it be, whether he breaks his body in half or not. Uh, but right now he's in one piece and looking good. It's 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 so impressive. It's Do they deserve to be bumped to the first line? I don't know. Listen, those are strategic questions that we're not willing to ask, but... Here's the thing, too. Who cares what the lineup order is when the graphic comes out? That line led in 5-on-5 in five five ice time for a reason oh, there on you Saturday. Go. There you, you know, go. Sullivan's going to deploy, uh, deploy who is playing best, and right now it's it's the second line. So even though on that graphic that gets tweeted out by the Penguins before the game, even though that is the second line, if they're playing like this, they're a first line on any other team. It's good PR having Sidney Crosby at the top. <laughs> It's oh, correct, and you're, you're not going to have the appearance of demoting Sidney Crosby, but at, right now, comparing the two lines, you know, maybe, 
Maybe that's the reason that we see uh, Evgeny Malkin's line get a little bit more time at 5-on-5 five because five, Sidney Crosby's line is actually on a cold streak, uh, which we hate to see it. And in those same games, we talked about the Malkin line and, and their, their road trip over the last three games. In those same games, the Sidney Crosby line has one goal for, three goals against at 5-on-5. Five five. That one goal, by the way, was... Never mind. It doesn't count like that. One goal for. 40% of the shot attempts... 37% of the expected goals and 34% of the scoring chances. Are you worried about this performance? Or do you think that it's just three games where they didn't have it and they're going to bounce back because it's it's these three guys? It's hard to say. I think Crosby and Gensel will bounce back just fine. <clears throat> I think Russ might need a little change of scenery in the lineup somewhere. And I think this is because, do you remember old school Brian Rust? Remember that inconsistent Brian? 20-some, 30 games without a goal. Do you remember that, Brian Rust? I think that's... I'm not saying that's what we're getting, but I'm saying that's starting to creep its... It's starting to peer its ugly head around the corner, uh, which is not good considering Brian Rust turned into one of the most consistent players on this team. Um, I mean, Gensel's still scoring, like I said, with the empty netters. It, they don't ask how, they ask how many, and it's still good that he is able to capitalize on those opportunities considering we saw Brian Rust miss one. And if he had that one on the on the stat sheet, you wouldn't look at his uh, game log and go, oh, he hasn't scored a point in, I think it's six games? Something, other five? That's not good. Um, and Crosby's game log still picking up assists every now and again. Takes him a minute sometimes. But it's not what we wanted from this line. You wanted this line to, all three of them, have a point pretty much every night at least. Or something along those lines. Something to average out like that. Not one of them going five games without a point. Not shooting the puck, by the way. Brian Rust has two shots in the last three games. And is a minus... What is that number? Minus four. There's a minus four in those five games. Sure, we don't take plus minus into account. But that's pretty severe. Especially considering the minus four came in one game. Um, <laughs> In Buffalo, no less. Sidney Crosby, sure, he's getting assists. <clears throat> but you want to see a little bit more of the game takeover, Sidney Crosby. And you just want to see Jake Gensel scoring real goals more often. Like I said, at the end of the day, if he hits 50 at the end of the year, you're not going to remember those two uh, empty netters in a row he had in November. But you still want him to be able to score the timely goals, score the goals that really count toward putting the team in positions to win and not just empty netters. I mean did a whole piece on it he's on he was on his four game goal streak which also impressive let's just be honest like that's good uh two of them may have been empty netters but at the same time you look at his numbers all right so he's creeping into the top 10 of goal scoring in, with in franchise history awesome he's gonna blow past a couple more names i didn't realize he was in the top 10 in game winning goals already too and like very close behind a bunch of other names so he can be in the top five pretty soon um, that's impressive. So we need to see more of that from him, more of the timely goal score, more of the I'm going to win you games goals, and Sidney Crosby to set those up. And as for Rust, something needs to kick in the gear. Yeah, Sidney Crosby has two assists in those last three games, so it's not like he's been held off the score sheet entirely, but it's it's the 200-foot game that's yeah. not, not looking good. And, you know, Jake Gensel is never really heralded as a defensive specialist, but he's not a he's not a hack back there. He knows what he's doing. He's positionally sound. He's smart and knows the game. And Brian Rust, uh, like you said, you just need more from Brian Rust. Now, am I worried about this line's performance? Not yet. 
but it certainly helps that the second line has been as good as it has, because if not, then you're going to ask that question a lot sooner of this, this line. So you just hope that the second line can continue out the way they have, and you hope that the first line can figure things out moving forward, because the Penguins... You know, they have one game at home, and then it's another three-game road trip. It's not going to get any easier as you take on Minnesota, you take on Winnipeg, and then you take on Toronto for the third time in two weeks. So you're going to have a team that knows how to play you. You're going to have to break out, and for that, you need your stars to play like stars. So the Penguins will need those three going forward. We're going to take one last quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Penguins-Leafs rematch that will happen on Tuesday night, and we'll finish things off with our weekly Pens poll. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. If you've listened this far already, we have a nice message for you that I'm actually going to re-record and put at the beginning of the message and beginning of the episode. Uh, we do have a Teddy Bluger jersey giveaway. We are officially doing it. It will be announced tomorrow during the game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Check out Inside the Penguins. We'll put up a small video about who's winning that. But make sure you're subscribed to Inside the Penguins on YouTube for a chance to win a signed Teddy Bluger jersey. Simple as that. Just hit subscribe and you're entered to win. One of many giveaways we hope to do for Inside the Penguins on YouTube as well as Tip of the Iceberg podcast itself throughout the 2022-23 season. But Horwat, let's talk about the Penguins taking on the Leafs. Obviously, we already saw this matchup a couple days ago. The Penguins won round number one by a score of 4-2 to two on Friday night. We saw the Leafs and what they can do in the second period. That's what scares me. When you see the Leafs being that good of a team. Now, Casey DeSmith stood on his head. You'll love to see it, especially from your backup. But Matthews, Marner... Nylander all began to just skate around the Penguins and completely shut things down, making it look very bad for the Penguins in that game. But luckily, the Penguins shut things down in the third period. Casey DeSmith played well, and they get that empty net goal from Jake Gensel to get the 4-2 win on the road. What do you want to see from the Penguins going into this matchup with the Leafs, this time at PPG Paints Arena? <clears throat> There's more of that shutdown defense. More of the... Kind of, like... When Toronto was attacking with their extra attacker, um, the Penguins was sh were just shutting him down. They weren't really attempting to get the empty net, if you will, but they were just uh, suffocating him. They weren't letting him get through into the zone. They weren't letting them make their plays. They weren't letting them get set up. You, you would need to see a little bit more of that throughout the game, not just toward the end. It, you're going to need that and for that first line to wake up the proper way because it seems like other players around the lineup are waking up. We just had a long discussion about the second line completely just dominating and taking over. Um, the first line needs to find its legs, and shutting down and just being a suffocating defense uh, again, for a team like this, that's the ideal path. Yeah, for the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday, what I want to see is more of what we saw at the end of the game last Wednesday. Crosby's line with a lead, 45 second to a one minute entire shift in the capital zone. At that point, they had the lead. So not necessarily taking shots, but 
making sure that Alex Ovechkin was wasting energy 200 feet away from your own net, especially with Casey DeSmith in. And in that situation, especially when you were down to four defensemen, potentially three with Jeff Petrie playing with a little bit of an injury. I loved what I saw at the end of the game against the Caps. I liked what I saw a lot from that game against the Leafs. And I liked what I saw a little bit uh, against the Canadians. So get back to what we saw on Wednesday afternoon or Wednesday evening, I should say, against the Capitals. That's what I want to see on Tuesday. And now when we got, go to the prediction... I know that every once in a while, the Penguins just light up the Leafs. It just, it happens, it seems like once a year, the Penguins just have their number. And more often than not, it seems like it happens on home ice. So I'm going to predict the Penguins get back to their winning ways again. I'm going to predict that the first line figures it out. I'm going to predict that the second line continues. And I'm going to predict the Penguins win this one by a score of 7-4. to four. Yeah, I'm going to agree with a victory. I don't know how big. I mean, I, apparently, I, you texted me. Apparently, I nailed the score of the last one. Way to go, uh, Yeah, yeah, the, the Leafs game. Yeah. You nailed it 4-2, to two, Penguins. Big shout-out to that empty net goal from Jake Hensel. Um, So, I'm going to go with a 5-3 to three victory as well, just because uh, I do see a big victory, a big, a big fun game, a lot of scoring, both sides, just because both these teams can really – fire the puck i don't know who's in net for the penguins and i also don't know who's in net for the leafs either I, still a lot going on over there um but also what are they are they coming off any back-to-backs by chance because i know when we played in the first time they were it they, we, both teams were in that back-to-back situation um oh they do play the night before oh now it gets interesting they're in minnesota the night before so that's tonight that is i'm looking at the wrong that's the next time we play them <laughs> I'm looking at see that's the other thing that happens whenever you play teams. three times in two weeks yeah for what it's worth though next two weeks from now <laughs> the Leafs come in on uh second half of a back-to-back situation although the Penguins do too flying out of Philly so ignore everything I just said I'm just gonna ha- hold on to a five to th- five to three win and I shut up now I need I need uh I need a nap <laughs> We're going to move over to the Pence poll. Well, we'll try to expedite this because Horwath uh, is getting a little delirious on us here at the end of this episode. I had a long day yesterday. <laughs> We're going to ask on our Pence poll, which player will break out of their slump first? Now, this is going to be a, an interesting Pence poll because um, two players kind of already have a little bit. One player specifically has, but the, the results of our Penguins poll here, Chris Letang, 48%. Denton Heinen, 38%. Brock McGinn, 10%. Jeff Petrie, 4%. Now, if I told you two of those players had scored a goal and one's on a three-game goal streak, wouldn't you think it would be the top two and not the bottom two? Yeah, probably. Well, that is not the case. As Brock McGinn, and we'll talk about him a little bit more in a minute, Brock McGinn is currently on a three-game goal streak. It seems like his drought is thoroughly over. Jeff Petrie scored a goal against the Montreal Canadiens. A little bit of a revenge spot for him. And Chris Letang continues to struggle. Dayton Heinen and that entire third line continues to struggle. So 14% of you had a good eye out for what was about to happen last week. And Brock McGinn certainly had a great week. Jeff Petrie is still struggling a little bit to do what his, his job actually is, which is play defense. But uh, he did get that goal against Montreal. He still does keep getting into the penalty box, which is an issue. 
but certainly uh, better results from those two than what we saw from Danton Hyde and Chris Letang last week. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't have picked Brock McGinn to be the one that pulls out of it. But here we are, three straight goals, two of them being game winners, by the way. Uh, goals in three straight, two of them being game winners, and Jeff Petrie, ah, man, he's got, he's just got his problems. He just needs to iron out. We know, we can see that he's got the potential to be a very good uh, second-pairing defenseman here. He's got that potential. He's got the ability. I mean, he's putting up points, shockingly still. Three goals, four assists. He's still, you know, accumulating. But, man, he just has to stay out of the box. That's the big issue. I want to close this show out by talking a little bit more about McGinn because three-game goal streak, you mentioned it, two-game winning goals, very impressive. It's the best stretch he has had since joining the Penguins before last season, uh, beating out his three goals in four games last December. When we talk about Brock McGinn, and I, I wrote a piece about this in the middle of the summer, basically saying, you know, there was something that I saw last year in Brock McGinn before the, the December COVID shutdown. And it was him starting to pick up the pace, starting to get on a roll, and then he just couldn't stay in the lineup. He had that long drought because of COVID. That slowed him down. Then he caught COVID in the middle of January. That stopped him for a couple weeks. Then he had to recover from that. Then he broke his wrist. Then he had to recover from that. So he wasn't able to consistently stay in the lineup once the Christmas shutdown happened last year. But he played very well beforehand. Now you're starting to see him pick up his game this last week. Do I think that's something that he'll be able to continue? Probably not at the pace that he is. Clearly a goal per game is not something we expect from Brock McGinn. But being a little bit more dangerous, getting a little bit more shots on net, playing more in the offensive end of the ice. Now I know that third line entirely didn't play perfect. I know Dayton Heinen and, and Jeff Carter and the underlying numbers for that line aren't good. But Brock McGinn in the spots that he needs to are taking the timely shots and scoring the timely goals. This might be something where you see, okay, seven points in 15 games, I'll take that from Brock McGinn. If he can be effective on the penalty kill and score a half a point a game, I'll take that from Brock McGinn. He's certainly playing better than Kasperi Kapanen. And having four goals in the first 15 games, which is a pace for what? 20 goals? 18, 17 goals? I know three goals in three games is going to help. If he's a goal guy that can score 15 goals in a season for the Penguins and play effectively on the penalty kill, I have no issue with Brock McGinn. Now, he hasn't been that player for most of his stint in Pittsburgh, but if he can be the guy that he has been at the beginning of last season and that he has been in the last three games, doesn't necessarily need the goals, but can be effective and can do the timely things correctly, then I'm fine with Brock McGinn being a third-line player on this team. Yeah, no, me too. It, as long as that production is there, and it, like I said, it doesn't have to be astronomical doesn't have to be you know game breaking but just little minor production here and there and then obviously that penalty kill performance helping that really regain its shape which it seems like it's starting to do um then yeah perfectly okay i, I you always you never want to bring money into the conversation but I, sometimes you have to and 275 at times when he's not playing well 275 looks like an anchor He's playing well. We're going to look at 275, like jump change. That's all I'm saying. Well, the thing with the cash is paying Brock McGinn 275 in a vacuum is not awful. Even when he's not on his game. You know, it's not great, but it's not awful in a vacuum. But when you get outside that vacuum, when you empty the bag there and you see a $3.2 million Kasperi cap and you see however much money Jeff Carter is making and they're all not producing, 
that's when you look at each of those players and say, you're all getting overpaid because none of you are producing because we have so many players in that same bubble. It was, it was the problem they had last year. Why do we have so many defensemen being paid over $4 million? And we have one like the 26th ranked defense in the national hockey league. Now you look at the bottom six and you say, we have a lot of guys that are getting paid between two and $4 million and none of them are producing. Like Danton Heinen came back on a $1 million deal. He's starting to produce like a $1 million player. Yep. Hey, knocked that one out of the park, apparently. So it's a thing where if Brock McGinn, like I said, I don't need a goal a game from Brock McGinn, but the way that he has played, those timely goals, if he can give you one or two or three of those within a, a month, that's what you need to see. And shoot, we said two game-winning goals. He should have had three game-winning goals. He scored the goal to put the Penguins up four to three. A very, like, you can say what you want about the first two. They were kind of fluky. Third one was a good shot on a two-on-one. Good finish. You love to see it. So, you know, we are obviously hard on players when they're bad. We got to give players their flowers when they're good. And Brock McGinn was good last week. Oh, absolutely. He was very good last week. He was, again, much better than we would have expected. I wouldn't have chosen him to be the player that breaks out of the slump, to break out of his little drought. But here we are. Uh, and whoever and I'm happy with any of them breaking out of the drought I'm glad it was him I would have been glad if it was anyone else now it is everyone else's turn uh, yeah if I gotta ask for somebody else I gotta ask for Chris Letang to yes. play better yes you know six more years we we always said that the drop off when it happened could be severe let's hope that that's not what we're watching Man, if it is it's gonna be a long six years we fought hard for him to resign this year and all of a sudden we're looking at Malkin like oh so you were the one to keep around <laughs> Uh-oh, this isn't good. Well, you don't want to overreact to a couple games, um, but that's what we do here. Uh, we will overreact. Brock McGinn is God. Sidney Crosby sucks. That's what we're Yikes. overreacting with. Uh, no, uh, but we'll see how it goes this week. We will be back on Thursday with a new episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Make sure you check out a bonus episode coming out tomorrow where we talk about the reverse retro jerseys. We break down our favorite our least favorite. I watched the, the Seattle Kraken on Sunday and even on the ice. I'm like, eh, still off. It's still off. I think, I, I think we don't like it because it's a reverse retro. If they would have just said, these are our new thirds, I think would have been like, they're not great, but at least they're not supposed to be something else. Those are semantics. To me, I just don't like the jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, just, I don't like I, I don't. I don't like the kit, man. That's all it is. So we have that coming out tomorrow. We will have an episode of Penguins Lunch on Wednesday. I'll be joined by Josh Yoey of The Athletics, so make sure you check that out. And then a new episode on Thursday of The Tip of the Iceberg. Full 45 to 50 minute episode. We got a lot of content coming for you this week, guys. And then, of course, next week with Thanksgiving, we're going to give you a little bit less content. <laughs> but uh, that's going to do it for this episode. We will be back this week. <laughs>